We welcome you to a special fifth Sunday podcast for members of the Santan Valley, Arizona Stake. This podcast is to be supplemental to your family's study of principles found in Helaman chapters 7 through 12. We invite you to follow along as we will share insights and testimonies from these powerful verses. From time to time, you'll be prompted to pause the recording to discuss as a family or ponder individually on questions posed during our discussion. So, um, Alma, or excuse me, Helaman chapter 7 through 12 is what we're going to be doing. This is Come Follow Me for next week. Um, did you know that in the original Book of Mormon that the chapters were structured a little bit differently? You, you probably already knew that. I, and I know I've talked a lot about it in our presidency meetings. In the original 1830 Book of Mormon, Helaman chapter 7 through 12 was one chapter. So what I would ask myself is if this was a single chapter and this is how the, the, the plates were structured, this is, how, this is how Joseph was inspired to divide it. So this is one chapter. Um, Mormon must have had a very specific purpose um, for including this. And, and this last time since I've come to the end of the Book of Mormon, I am reading the Book of Mormon through the eyes of Mormon in 400 A.D., Hilkamora, like the, the imminent destruction of his people. And I wonder how much of his present ex- experience is impacting how he's organizing and picking and choosing what stories to include and expound upon. It's kind of interesting um, what what that does for him. Um, so I actually want to start with Helaman chapter 12. We're going to start with the end um, as the beginning, and then we'll, we'll kind of work our way backwards. Because Helaman chapter 12 is the moral of the story. This is, uh, this is, what, this is why Mormon includes this Event. This chapter all culminates with these. Uh, we're gonna do. We're gonna do five verses. Actually, I think Lindsay mentioned that we want to include verse six, right? Yeah. Um, anywhere that you see, especially in the Book of Mormon, this phrase, and thus we see, that should be an automatic stopping point. Circle it. Arrows pointing at it. Red flashing lights. Whatever, because this is a stated purpose for why Mormon chooses to include this. So verse one, and thus we can behold how faults and also the unsteadiness of the hearts of the children of men. Okay. That's one. Yea, we can see that the Lord in his great infinite goodness doth bless and prosper those who put their trust in him. Yea, we see at the very time when, the, when he doth prosper his people, yea, in the increase of their fields, their flocks, and their herds, and in gold and in silver, and all manner of precious things of every kind and art, sparing their lives and delivering them out of the hands of their enemies, softening the hearts of their enemies that they should not declare wars against them, yea, and in fine, doing all things for the welfare and happiness of his people, yea, then is the time that they do harden their hearts and do forget the Lord their God and do trample under their feet the Holy One. Yea, this light, uh, yea, and this because of their ease and their exceedingly great prosperity. Okay, so that's three. And then verse three is our fourth one. Yea, and thus we see that except the Lord doth chasten his people with many afflictions, yea, except he doth visit them with, a, with death and with terror and with famine and with all manner of pestilence, they will not remember him. 
so I'm going to pause here because, and there's there's three other verses. I'm going to pause here, and with those thus we sees, can I just let's just some general impressions, um, maybe maybe more specifically, when have you seen these principles true in the world that that, that you live in? Please pause the podcast, take a moment in your family, and respond to this question. How do these principles in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, how are those true in the world that you live in today? So what are your, what are your impressions? When have you seen these kinds of, the, the fulfillment of these principles at work in, in what you see in the world? The, it's the pride cycle, right? <clears throat> the, the more we gain and, and the more things that we learn and the, and the bigger, the, the, the more worldly possessions we have, the more prosperous in the land we are. Um, we we get proud. We're we're keeping up with the Joneses. We're buying the boat to keep up with them, and 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 then the next thing we know, we're not paying our tithing because we can't afford to have the boat and the house and pay the tithing. So, are you saying that having stuff directly leads to not remembering him? No, it's just an example. Okay. We do see that when we do have a lot and <clears throat> things are good, times are good. We don't remember him as much as when we need to be on our knees praying because things aren't so good. So is that a human nature thing? I think it's a human nature thing. It shouldn't be. I mean, we should remember him every day. but It's part uh, of putting off natural the natural man. man. Yeah. We're putting that yeah. off by, by being more yeah, deliberate. Yeah, I think the, the better things are, when things are going good, we just don't remember him like we should. And that's a... I think when I read this... I think I really got remember, remember, remember. You know, uh, we need to remember the Lord. Um, never forget, because that is the, the pride cycle when we forget Him. We get in the habit of saying our prayers and reading our scriptures, but all of a sudden someone in our family gets sick and deathly ill in the hospital, then all of a sudden our prayers get 100 mm-hmm. times better and we're down longer. <laughs> and it's serious then. The same as if you lost your job. All of a sudden, we're nervous, and we, well, hopefully we humble ourselves. And so then let me propose this question, then. If this is, you know, verse 1, how faults and, and, and also the unsteadiness of the hearts of the children, if we know this about ourselves, what are, what are some practical ways that, uh, that, that you're able to maybe <clears throat> avoid Forgetting, or maybe maybe better um, better stated would be, what are some practical things that you're doing to make sure that when your the good times are rolling, that your your prayers are just as that you are remembering him. I think sometimes when the good times are rolling, that's our opportunity to share and lift and help those who are struggling. When the good times aren't rolling for them, this is our opportunity to be ministering angels. When the good times are rolling, please help me to be able to find those who need my help. Help me to be able to reach somebody who, you know, help me to answer their prayer. And then, because we all have different cycles, when we're down, the Lord will bless us. There will be ministering angels who come and help us. What, What helps me is when I think of scriptures, for instance, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Um, when we put him first, it helps me to stay humble, uh, to 
continue to always seek his hand and what his will is for for me, which in my life, I know it's, what I've learned is my, one of my callings is to reach out to others and, and to be an instrument in the Lord's hands through, the, through service to other people. Um, that's helped me to stay humble, to stay focused and, and more reliant upon the Lord than in times when I'm not doing that in my life. So let's continue with these these verses because here's here's where <clears throat> here's where it's really gonna rubber hits the road here. Oh how foolish and vain and how evil and devilish and how quick to do iniquity and how slow to do good are the children of men, yea, how quick to hearken unto the words of the evil one, set their hearts upon the vain things of the world, yea, how quick to be lifted up in pride, how quick to boast, and do all manner of that which is iniquity, how slow they are to remember the Lord their God and give ear unto his counsels, yea, how slow to walk in his paths. Behold, they do not desire that the Lord their God, who hath created them, should rule over them. Uh, Notwithstanding his great goodness and mercy toward them, they do set it not as counsels, and they would not that he should be their guide. How quick they are to get to that and slow to allow it to come back. So this is the context. This is the warning that the previous four chapters are kind of leading to. Um, so if you if you just take a look at the dates, starting in, in chapter 7, so I'm gonna, we're going to provide a little bit of context here, insights to the context and, and the story. This is, a very, this is a very famous story, and we know it. This is Nephi is praying in his garden because life's just awful. I, I mean, he's probably super depressed about certain things here. Um, he and his brother have just returned from a five-year mission to the north. Didn't have a lot of success, but this is the point. There's there's a pivot point in this part. Uh, in fact, if we back up even a couple, um, just one chapter, we, we see that um, chapter 6, verse 1, um, it came to pass that when the 60 and second year of the reign of Judges had ended, all these things had happened to the Lamanites, um, and the Lamanites had become the more part of them, the righteous, insomuch that the righteousness did exceed that of the Nephites. This is the first time we see the flip in the different roles, right? Because, you know, we can, ask, we can ask all our primary kids, who are the good guys in the Book of Mormon? Well, it's the Nephites. Who are the bad guys? It's the Lamanites. Except for when you get to Helaman and those <laughs> roles reverse. The Lamanites are the good guys. In fact, the Lamanites are now sending missionaries to the Nephites, and we'll get the more famous one um, in next week's Come Follow Me with, um, with Samuel the Lamanite. And the Nephites are in this complete state. Um, and it is, why, it is also why the destruction at the end of the Book of Mormon happens is because the Nephites, who should have known better, um, become the more wicked. So Nephi is back. He sees what's happening. He sees what's happening within the government. The wickedness, the Gadianton robbers are just, they're everywhere. Um, and Nephi prays about this. He's, he's really kind of bummed about it. And people see him and ask him why he's, why do you feel so bad about what's going on? And he tells them exactly. And we have the story. Um, as, as you guys studied the story of Nephi, the prophesying, the prophecies of the death of the chief judge. What were, what were some impressions or some kind of maybe some thoughts that you had as you studied those chapters? I thought, my miracle. Everywhere where it said a sign, I crossed it out and I put miracle. 
that's a true miracle for him to be able to see that. I say, um, signs and miracles are helpful, but not sufficient to build enduring faith. So I think that, you know, for some, it might have been just good enough just to have something be told to them and they can accept and believe it. But for those who needed to kind of have more proof, you know, it, it kind of gave some substance to or evidence of things that they hadn't seen. But um, so for some, they needed that. And eventually, as they went along and the story unfolds, you know, it is a sign. Um, but they had been kind of rejecting him all along, saying, oh, well, you set this up. You know, you kind of made this appear so that you're going to look like a prophet. And that happens in our day and age right now, you know. And um, But it really, it doesn't take, um, you know, faith is having, you know, belief in something you can't see that's real. And, um, you know, we think about being sign seekers. And, you know, it's great to have some of those miracles that you can see. But ultimately, just like we learned in previous accounts of the Book of Mormon, that just because people see doesn't mean that they're going to believe and so it has to kind of get sunk deep into their heart. What if the prophet wants you to have the sign? Because this is Nephi saying, I'm giving you a sign. You didn't ask for it. I'm giving you a sign. Is he giving the sign to the non-believers? Uh, my thought earlier was these signs, you know, I can't remember who the group was. You know, the group that's... Uh, Nephi told him, go ask the brother of... Jezreel to ask them these questions and after they did they believed and then that was their sign I would hope that that like Sister Michelle was saying those people who are following signs you know their testimony of the Savior probably isn't as strong I hate saying that so blunt but you know their pride cycle probably um what do you call it when that curve goes way high and way low? Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike, I would hope, the believers who have a testimony of the Savior, Savior, their curve of the price cycle is very shallow and more stable uh, or, or constant. And we're able to follow the prophet from whatever. The sign seekers are the ones that are hitting that price cycle. So your question, when he gives the sign, I'm sorry, your Question, President Anderson. <laughs> when he gives the sign, is he giving it to the non-believers? Let's see if we can understand this. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say there were some that were converted because of the sign, but there were others that were convert, converted because of the, the testimony of the five. And so maybe without the sign... Where, where do the five come from? Fill in the gaps there. So the five that, that ran to see if the chief judge was dead. And they came back, or they, they got put in prison because they thought that they were the murderers. And, and so through that whole process, there were individuals that were converted because of the testimony of those five, not because of the sign from Nephi. So he may not have been able to connect with those people that were converted because they, they went off of the testimony of the five. Not Good, five. I like that. Even the five, when they went off, they went off to see, oh, is the prophet telling us the truth? So they went off for the, for the search of their own answers. And they didn't believe he was. Uh, yeah, they didn't, they didn't believe it. They didn't even, they hard, weren't converted. Hard for them to believe. They weren't converted until until they're in prison. What is the message that Nephi is actually delivering? When actually, just prophets in general. What is the message that prophets deliver to the people? Believe and stay out of prison. 
Okay, repent. believe, repent, yeah. right? It's the real basics, right? It's faith in Jesus Christ, repent. In fact, uh, something that President Nelson has said recently, that when he thought about what to tell the people, it's, you know, I think about what the Lord has said and say, say nothing but repentance unto this people. So it's all, this is Nephi's, this is, this is what his message has been because he's come home to this mess. And in chapter 8, at the very beginning, you know, the, the wicked are like, who's this guy telling us to repent? Look at how good we're doing here. We got, we're prosperous. We got money. We're, we're having this free exchange of, of commerce with, with, with other nations and the Nephites and Lamanites. We got this free thing going here. Who's this guy coming here to tell us that we need to repent? That must mean he thinks we're doing something wrong. They try to get them all stirred up. And what Nephi does which is kind of interesting, starting in verse 10, from, from 10 through, geez, all the way through 22, 23, is he just starts telling stories about other prophets. You guys know about Moses. You guys know about Abraham. You guys know about Isaiah. And you guys know about um, Jeremiah. And you know even our father Lehi. These were great prophets. And you have esteemed them as prophets. So why can't you esteem me as a prophet too? Yeah, Helaman 8. That's where we're at now. Yeah, Helaman chapter 8. I'm sorry. Um, Why can't you esteem me as a prophet? They have testified of exactly the same things that I am testifying right now. Verse 24. Now seeing you know these things and cannot deny them except ye shall lie, therefore in this ye have sinned. For ye have rejected all these things, notwithstanding so many evidences which ye have received. Yea, even ye have received all things both in heaven and all things which are in the earth as a witness that they are true. But behold, you have rejected the truth and rebelled against your God and the time it's speedily coming to, to this destruction. You are ripening for destruction. So if you guys want to know if my message is true, I got a prediction for you. Chief Judge is dead. Go check it out on your own. In fact, he was killed by his brother and they're all, they're all members of this Gadianton gang. And so what happens it's just it's just narration of proving. In fact, when he's well, he couldn't have possibly got this right. He must have he must have set all this up. He's confederate. That's what the word confederate means. He's confederate with these five, and they've made this arrangement. And I lo- I love what he says. Um, so now we're in chapter nine. But Nephi said unto them, O ye fools, ye uncircumcised of heart. Ye blind and ye stiff naked people, and ye do, ye, do you know how long the Lord God will suffer you, that you should go on in your ways of sin? You ought to begin to howl and mourn because of the great destruction. What's like, you should know I'm right, okay? But you think that I've agreed with this man, verse 23, um, he should, that he murder Caesarum, our chief judge. Behold, I say unto you, this is because I've testified that you might know these things. I'm going to give you another sign. Verse 24 says, I'm going to give you another sign. You're going to go in uh, 25, see if this thing is true, and you can destroy me if you want, but go to the house of Siantum, who's the brother, and you're going to ask him, <laughs> 27 is great, has Nephi the pretended prophet, who doth prophesy so much evil concerning this people, did he agree with thee in which you have murdered Caesarum, who is your brother? And he's going to say no, and then you're going to say, have you murdered him? And he's not going to know what to say. Like He spells out exactly what's going to happen. Um, and you're right, after it's all done, like, yeah, this is a prophet. But not as many believe on him as they believe on the five. So this, this role of prophets. Um, President, uh, President Nelson. Sometimes we as leaders of the church 
are criticized for holding firm to the laws of God, defending the Savior's doctrine and resisting the social pressures of our day. But our commission as ordained apostles is to go to all the the world to preach His gospel unto every creature. That means we are commanded to teach truth. In doing so, sometimes we are accused of being uncaring as we teach the Father's requirements for exaltation in the celestial kingdom. But wouldn't it be far more uncaring for us to not tell the truth, not to teach what God has revealed? It is precisely because we do care deeply about all of God's children that we proclaim His truth. We may not always tell the people what they want to hear. Prophets are rarely popular, but we will always teach the truth. What have been your experiences of following prophets and the blessings that have come because you have maybe made an unpopular choice to follow a prophet? Please pause the podcast and discuss as a family these questions. Pay close attention to the blessings that you have observed as you have followed prophets. Great blessings have come into our lives as we follow the prophet. As I was reading and studying through these chapters, it reminded me years ago, Wendy and I lived in California. She was in the Navy and we were in San Diego. And I can't remember what the proposition was. It was it was something to do with same sex marriages, and and we went door to door. Uh, this is the first year we were married um, back in '99, and we literally went door to door talking to people. Uh, and it, you know, back then we didn't know what we know now. And, and that was shortly after the, the proclamation to the, the family, the proclamation of the world came out. And I think of that and I think of the other, the uh, restoration proclamation that we just received. All these, these are given to us for our reason, they're for our day. And you can see the results of why we have the, the family proclamation of the world, where, where it's, the world has come since 1995, and why the First Presidency was inspired to create the, the Restoration Proclamation. And I know that as we continue to follow the prophets and, and continue to implement Come Follow Me in our homes, in our lives, that, that we will continue to, to be blessed, that we'll be able to uh, not fall into the pride cycle because we're learning how to stay out of it. And something that I, um, just recently with the come follow me, you know, at first as a mom, I was a little bit scared of it at first, just because, you know, it was less primary. It's only be 20 minutes of primary church was being cut down. Um, for a mom, I just felt like I needed all the help I could get. And so I was a little concerned, you know, personally, um, with our own, um, situ- like our own family, you know, how that would be. Um, and with come follow me, I kind of was a little bit, you know, I'm, I don't like change, not super much, although now it's like, I love change, you know, there's change constantly, but um, with come follow me, you know, I feel like I had it in the groove. We're reading our book of Mormon, following along what we needed to do. And then with come follow me, it kind of shook it all up. And at first I was like, man, this is kind of shaking it up too much for me. Um, but I remember like as a promise from the prophet, he said, and I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but like when you follow the come follow me, like miracles will happen in your life. And, um, uh, I thought maybe it was on the back of here, but I don't think it is on the back of this enzyme. Anyway, um, 
And it really has unfolded miracles in front of us. Not miracles, you know, like such as this, you know, Nephi's uh, miracles, but just um, our elevation of scripture time and being able to discuss things. We're not just kind of like reading chapter by chapter and, and being stuck on that anymore. It's like literally open up conversations and discussions um, that that would never have opened up. So I just am so thankful for President Nelson and for this to come follow me. It really is. It's like a modern day miracle for our family. But did he promise that result? Yes. yes when, he, he when he introduced it, was that not a promise that he made that if we study together as families, in fact, I think he says, if you study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day and will be inoculated against the evils of our day. Like he gave us a sign and then it's, it's what? It's up to us. And he promised miracles. He, in that, he promised. Mm-hmm. So that's what gave me the courage and the strength to be like, okay, he, you know, that promise is what gave us the determination, the perseverance, you know, at first it wasn't super easy. It was kind of like trying to figure it out. But that's what gave us, that promise is what gave us the courage to go forth. Because I do believe that President Nelson is a prophet of God. And because I know that and believe it, therefore I'm going to follow him. Where would we be right now, today, without Come Follow Me since March? In a time of pandemic? Yeah. As a, as, as church as a whole. I'm not going to jump in and make the assumption that President Nelson knew that a pandemic is coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I don't think he had a crystal ball. I was like, oh man, 2020. <laughs> if we don't have Come Follow Me ready to go and home centered church by by 2020, we're going to just be. But I know the Lord did. And I also know that he received a prompting. He they received a prompting. They followed it. You know, not knowing, like you said, that there would be a pandemic, but that this is the Lord's mine and his will for the church. So one of the questions that was posed from members of our stake is around this same topic that we've been talking about. Um, are, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to somewhat paraphrase and maybe restate the, the, the question. Are the prophets and apostles that we follow today any less than Nephi in the story that we just read? Why, why do you say that, Lorna? Oh. <laughs> what did you say, first of all? Well, I say no. He is exactly like the prophets of old, but he is a prophet for our day, you know, to help us through the pandemic. And this Come Follow Me was inspired. I know it was inspired, I'm, and I know you all do too, but it, everything that's going on in the church right now was put forth by a prophet of God. Because not only about the pandemic... But more things are going to happen. More things are going to come to pass before the second coming. We have got to listen and do what they say. And remember the Lord. They're just like Nephi was teaching the Nephites. we got to remember him. we got to obey. I did have a thought. Talking back with Lindsay's um, pride cycle, talking about that real quick. You know, there is a way to chop that. You know, to chop away the, um, you know, the wickedness, the falling away, the prideful, you know, thing is that I feel like the daily immersion in the scriptures, remembering, you know, like we've been talking about, remembering every day. I tell our kids, and we've seen it with the pandemic, of course, we're talking about this a lot because it's what we're experiencing right now, um, is that just like we saw, at any given time, something can be removed from you. 
why would you think that having those extra things like you were talking about, um, why would that make you a better, better than what you are? You know, these things in a, in a heartbeat for everybody, sports was taken away, you know, school was taken away. Um, the opportunity to shop was taken away. Like there was so many physical materialistic things were taken away, but what wasn't taken away was our spirituality. And I find that a lot of people, you know, their spirituality is fairly, it seems like the people I've talked to, they're doing good. They're like, I'm fine spiritually. It's just everything physically, you know? Um, but it's like, it just shows us, it keeps us in that humble, the humble part of the pride cycle, you know, that we just, if you stay in the humble part and always recognizing where your blessings are coming from, then you can end daily recognizing those, um, you know, those tender mercies daily. That's what we're all trying to do. We don't want to go through the pride cycle. You know, when we, li- when we read this, aren't we all kind of saying that we don't want that to be me? We don't want that to be me. How can I keep from that being me? You know, and I just kind of wrote down that, and this might be a little bit of a play on words, but at the beginning when he's talking about children of men, you know, it keeps talking at the beginning, children of men, children of men. Okay, well, we, when we take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ, you know, we're, we're now a different person, you know? And so that's what kind of keeps us. I feel like if we can stay at that part of being humble and, and knowing where our blessings are coming from, we can try to keep from becoming prideful. That was a little bit delayed response. It takes me a while, but I wanted to share that. <laughs> no, and I, and I really like that. In fact, you know, we, we've been told by, um, by, by church leaders, the Book of Mormon was written for our day. These are, these are warnings. We're supposed to be reading these with the, the mindset of, okay, so how am I like the Nephites in this case? Mm-hmm. If President Nelson were to come in and tell us, which, which they have done, I mean, just think, think back the last couple of general conferences, what messages have come across as very unpopular because they were unwilling to bend to social pressures. It was, it seems uncaring. Um, it, it made me think of this statement by uh, Spencer W. Kimball. So Spencer W. Kimball gave this quote in 1976. Okay. So I'm, I'm one, actually, Before I'm, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even yeah. one yet. <laughs> we I'm less than one year old. I wasn't alive. We can remember the talk. You can remember the talk. Okay. And, uh, and, and he's made this comment, and I, and I really, really like this, but I just I want you to think about, so, so Sister Michelle's comment about the pride cycle, how do we stay in the humble zone? Because one of the stated purposes that Mormon wrote this chapter about is how quick we are to forget, how slow we are to remember, and what are prophets doing today to fulfill that role. Here's what he said. Some may wonder why general authorities speak on the same things from conference to conference. And I, and I hear that all the time, right? It's like, ah, it's just going to be another talk about repentance. It's going to be another talk about faith, right? Another talk about, anyway. As I study the utterances of the prophets from centuries, their pattern is very clear. We seek in the words of Alma to teach people an everlasting hatred against sin and iniquity. We preach repentance and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise humility. We seek to teach people to withstand every temptation of the devil with their families, or with their, excuse me, with their faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. We teach our people to never be weary of good works. Prophets say the same things because we face basically the same problems. Brothers and sisters, the solutions to these problems have not changed. It would be a poor lighthouse that gave off a different signal to guide every ship entering a harbor. It would be a poor mountain guide 
who, knowing the safe route up a mountainside, took his trusting charges up unpredictable and perilous paths from which no traveler returns. And I think that's just such a beautiful way to think about prophets don't, ne- their, their message doesn't change. How they deliver it can, can change, but when they speak with the power of God and when they speak under the influence of His Spirit, the, the message is virtually the same. It's the doctrine of Christ. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to repentance regularly, which leads to the next ordinance that we need to take, whether that is the sacrament on Sunday or if there's temple ordinances that some are waiting on or even just um, waiting for that first ordinance of baptism. And when we make those, those covenants, we receive, we have the promise of the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then we do it all over again. And that, that, that repeat, rinse and repeat kind of approach is what we call enduring to the end. So those five principles of the, of the doctrine of Christ is what prophets are called to do. So then what is our responsibility? If prophets aren't really going to change their message, and we, we sometimes like the change, and maybe it's change in programs, it's change in um, uh, policy, it's a change in a handbook, or a change in maybe how the, the endowment's going to be done, whatever. There are changes, but the message does not change. Faith in Jesus Christ, repent of our sins, and then take that next ordinance needed so that we can always have the Spirit to be with us. How does that message help us to avoid being slow to remember the Lord and, and avoid being quick to iniquity? Brothers and sisters, please pause the podcast now and discuss that question in your own families. The way it would keep us from falling back into the pride cycle is that message takes it from me to instead of it's all about me to how can I help other people? Just like the Savior, his whole life on this earth was serving others. And, and if we are focused on doing his will, then we'll always be looking outwards, not inwards. I think what came to my mind when Ryan was sharing that is that, you know, with this, with this new cycle that you're talking about, you know, versus the pride cycle, we have this new, you know, um, Christ cycle, I guess. Covenant uh, path is what President, path. President Nelson calls yes. it. Okay, covenant path um, is that the most imp- one of the most important things in there is that because a person is working and trying, then they are able to be in tune with the Spirit. And so the, the Spirit of Revelation comes into their lives, which is greater than, than if they weren't doing those things. And so, therefore, it presses you forward on that path. You know, um, when I don't think that I could do very much uh, spiritually without the Spirit. And so, having going through this cycle each week of being able to, you know, partake of the sacrament and to be working hard and diligently, it allows me to have the Spirit, which then allows me to be um, receiving revelation for myself, for my family, and then to do- go and do the good. You know, that you're talking about to to be in tune with the spirit. So I think the Holy ghost is just a grace blessing in my life. So have you felt impressed to do something because of what you're, we've been talking about tonight. Mm. And I don't know if it's appropriate to share, but I would just in, invite us to be thinking like, these are good conversations to have, but is it, is it prompting action? 
Yes. Can I reply to that? Please, yeah. Um, I did write down something that you said. What struck me, and I, I think it's President Kimball that you just said, quoted, or mm-hmm. President, okay. President Kimball. And I really feel like that quote that talked about, don't change the light on the lighthouse, that really struck me. So my spirit was like, you should write that down, because then I'm going to go and maybe find that talk, and I'm going to make it more into my life, because I think that that was really, really good. For those who would like to have the reference to that talk, it is... Um, April 1976 General Conference, Spencer W. Kimball, entitled The Stone Cut Without Hands. Thank you. That's the talk. Um, Something, I saw you you draw the cycle on your book there. Um, And it reminded me that it's 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 a, faith is an action, it's a cycle of action. As soon as we stop moving forward we stop progressing we just rest on our laurels and it's kind of what he says in, in chapter 12 when they be, when he begins to prosper his people and increase their fields and their flocks and they just kind of start to yeah things are going really good for the welfare and happiness of the people then is the time that they harden their hearts when we stop moving forward we stop trying to take that next step we stop we stop, and part of it can be helping others on the covenant path. As soon as we stop doing that, that's when the pride cycle takes over because then we start becoming lazy. We start becoming um, satisfied. We don't progress. And uh, I think it was President Eyring says, what happens when you stop pedaling a bike? Eventually it stops moving. You can't keep your balance. And then you fall off, Right? And then the Lord chastens his people with many afflictions to get them back on the bike and start moving again. I don't know, maybe it's a big grizzly bear that's chasing them. <laughs> Gotta start pedaling really fast again. But whatever that, that's right, we start praying because somebody's in the hospital. Or we start praying because we're in a pandemic and I'm gonna kill my kids if they don't go back to school. Or, we, or whatever it is, right? Whatever the challenge that we face, we've lost a job because our job's been furrowed because, you know, everything got shut down. Whatever the case may be, he does it to get us to start pedaling again because he wants us to continue on that covenant path. And he doesn't ever want us to stop. And the role that prophets play, and I, and I think that's why we are blessed with every six months of general conference, is just to kind of renew that energy, that spiritual energy of, okay, here's a few things I need to improve upon, and we're encouraged to study their words again and to make, make that scripture. Um, one of the things I'm feeling inspired to do is I don't think I've been very good at studying general conference talks. This left from this last conference. I've been so focused on my online lessons for seminary that I haven't, haven't gone back to study general conference. Um, I feel impressed that I need to do that better from this last conference. Any other things that you felt impressed to do? Well, um, ponder more. When she was talking about filling the Holy Ghost, it reminded me of Nephi in here, how he was so discouraged and so down. Um, and he was walking, and I don't remember exactly, but Chapter the 10. Lord, the Lord tells him, "No, you turn around, go back," um, and he gave him the sealing power um, at that point. And he was pondering on these things, um, and then he received revelation. Um, I feel like I've been inspired to ponder more after I read the scriptures in the Come Follow Me magazine or whatever manual. I don't remember which uh, general authority said it, but 
I think it was Henry B. Eyring, he said, um, after every time he reads, he ponders on what he read. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yep. When we ponder, we invite revelation by the Spirit. Um, so I have felt impressed to follow Nephi's example here and ponder every time I read the scriptures so that I can receive the revelation that the Lord wants me to receive and to hear so that I can pivot quickly like Nephi did and do what he says to do. I like it. So what does ponder look like for some people? Do you, I mean, we, we talk about it, ponder, but really pondering is it's, it's creating a space where Heavenly Father can talk to you and the Holy Ghost can give you inspiration. It's, it's, um, it's not immediately jumping on to the next thing on our list that day. It's creating time during the day to think about what we've studied recently. Maybe you didn't study this morning. Maybe you studied last night. It, it's creating that time where the Lord actually has opportunity to nudge you. Last summer's Pioneer Day concert by the Tabernacle Choir and Orchestra at Temple Square featured the very talented Norwegian singer Sissel. The audience, myself included, was deeply moved by her reverent rendition of a song titled Slow Down that called to mind the scripture from Psalms, Be Still and Know That I Am God. We invite you to enjoy her performance of that song. In the midst of my confusion In the time of desperate
It is just creating a, a space of, of stillness. If you're going to have a two-way conversation, allow the allow the second person to speak back to you. I like it. What I love about this is, so when you bring up uh, brought up Nephi, here the people are all together, and then all of a sudden it says they just all kind of leave, and he was they were he was standing in the midst of them, and they're all leaving, and then he. It was like the first thing he's thinking, well, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm, it's been a long day. I'm going to go home. And, go back and be and, in my garden. <laughs> and, you know. Get back on my tractor. <laughs> enjoy the comforts, <laughs> comforts of my house. And as it says, Nephi went his way towards his house. So here he's walking. You know, as Sister Anderson brings up the pondering, it's like pondering to us we could be driving down the road. We could be on the tractor. We could be in the working in the garden. Wherever we are, we can be pondering. And then, as Sister Nevitt stated, that and and back to President Anderson's comment riding the bike. It's in verse twelve. It says Nephi, he did not stop. Or sorry, Nephi. Or sorry, it says and. and it, he did stop, and, but, and, but he did not go to his exactly. Own house. So, and behold, now it came to pass that when the Lord had spoken these words unto Nephi, he did stop 
and did not go to his own house. Sorry. And so he stopped heading home, but he didn't stop altogether. He kept on going. He went right back out. That bike didn't tip over. He, he listened immediately to the prompting that he received from the Lord. As, and I just thought that that, was, that speaks a lot about Nephi and how if we are pondering and when we're pondering, like Nephi, we should be in tune no matter whether we're driving down the road or wherever we're at to, to the whisperings of the Spirit as they speak to us so then we can act. And that's when the more we act upon those promptings, the, the more the Lord's going to give us promptings. So I feel like this, this goes along really good with this last question. We'll probably end with this. So we've, we've studied, we've studied this, this chapter. We've talked about Nephi, power of following prophets. Um, but I think we're getting to the point now where it's, it's what are we going to do with the pondering and actions and things that we felt impressed to do. We, we got a question, and, and I want to propose a, maybe a couple of responses here. Um, how do we not be scared for the safety of our families during this time of wickedness all around us? We, uh, we can be a lot like Nephi. I mean, if you look at verse, um, verse 3, chapter 10, verse 3, that what is he pondering about? Being much cast down because of the wickedness of the people of the Nephites. Their secret works of darkness and their murderings, their plundering and all manner of, of iniquities. And then the voice comes. Um, I have one response, and this is in chapter 11. So after the famine, after the rains come back so there's there's many many years where there's a cycle of, of famine and then and then a return and the people begin to rejoice but it's not very many years after that that they're right back where they're at again um there is a there's this observation in in chapter 11 verse verse 23 um and in the 79th year there began to be much strife but it came to pass that nephi and lehi and many of their brethren who knew concerning the true points of doctrine, having many revelations daily, therefore they did preach unto the people insomuch that they put an end to, the, to their strife in that same year. That, that struck me that even in the midst of, of all of this, this wickedness that is starting to return, and the, verse 25 talks about the murder and the plunder and all the things that they've kind of... They're back to having wars again and destruction, and it's not been very many years. Um, they continued to study. They knew concerning the true points of doctrine. I think that's an important thing to help us to not be scared, mm-hmm. is to understand exactly what the doctrines of the gospel are, right? And those, those doctrines can be kind of summarized into about nine specific ones. Plan of salvation if we have any, if we can maintain an eternal perspective of the plan of salvation and see things for what they really are, helps us to not be scared. We can we can put some of these situations into their proper context. Understanding the atonement of Jesus Christ is very critical when we understand that He suffered not only for our sins, but He suffered for our temptations and for our heartache and for our fear. That's part of His suffering that we can we can rely upon Him. And, and, and then we, we, we understand covenants and the role that covenants play. That the word remember in scripture, I was listening to a, uh, a presentation that one of the stated purposes of the Book of Mormon is to remind us of the covenants and that God is always going to be faithful to us and that we are not 
cast off forever. That's in the that's in the title page of the Book of Mormon. The word remember is all about covenantal loyalty. When we remember God and we remember to keep our covenants, section 82 of the Doctrine and Covenants says, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. He is covenant. He's already proven 100%, 100% perfectly covenantal, covenant, covenantally loyal, and he's just waiting for us to get on board with it. So when we can remember those, those three important doctrines, then revelations come. And the other doctrines that we can talk about is the doctrine of the family, how important that is, um, the doctrine of prophets and apostles, um, the doctrine of restoration. All these things are doctrines that we can, and, and the doctrine of, of, of commandments, um, the importance of keeping commandments. Um, then we open ourselves up to where we will have many revelations daily. And President, President Nelson has warned us that it, in the coming day, it will be impossible for us to survive if we do not learn principles of revelation. Yeah. I have a little note here. It says, Nephi and Lehi study gospel doctrine so they receive daily guidance from the Holy Ghost. That's how we can receive our guidance and have no fear. In my scriptures, I have a little mark and everywhere in the scriptures on both the Bible and the triplet or whatever this thing's called. <laughs> um, every page that says no fear, do not fear, you know, anything that has do be not afraid, I have marked. We have no reason to be afraid. How many of those markings do you think you have? I don't know, but the Bible has lots of them. I have a lot of them. Um, we have no reason. More than once? Oh, fair, fair yes. To say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is an, um, uh, an, an obscure reference. There, it's this everywhere. Is says a lot. It's everywhere. Almost every page. Not quite every page, but almost every page has no fear, be not afraid, or something. We have no reason to fear. If we read the scriptures, obey the commandments, do what we're supposed to do, we have no fear in these latter days. Doesn't mean we won't have something happen to us, maybe, or have something bad in our family, but we have no need to fear. And let's 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 just kind of do some final thoughts then, as we've had this this time to study. Verse six, it says, "And they will not that he should be their guide." Um, I think, I, I don't think I've ever thought of the Savior as being my guide. I think of him. Uh, the, he has a lot of other titles. And it, and it really struck me when I was reading, preparing for this discussion, that um, they, they will not that he should be their guide. The pride won't, the prideful won't, won't allow that. Um, I'm, and I'm studying a lot about guides recently, and a guide isn't somebody who lays down the law and toes the line, you know, makes you toe the line. A guide is somebody who allows you to come unto him when you are ready. They don't push. They allow agency. They allow that cycle to happen so that you can learn on your own because you learn best when you're self-motivated rather than when someone is pushing you and pushing you. If you're being pushed by fear, then you're not allowing yourself to be guided by Heavenly Father, by the Holy Ghost. And so I, I feel like I think my final takeaway thoughts are that I need to trust in my guide. He wants to guide me. He wants to show me the way. Uh, and I need, to, I need to allow that. 
Um, speaking about fear, you know, I have been on a little bit of a of a quest myself for a couple years about this whole topic of fear as well. Um, you know, everyone's in a different phase of life right now, and raising children, you can really easily get caught up in the fear, thinking, "What's going to happen next? What's going on? How is this going to be?" And um, you know, Elder um, at the time it was President Uchtdorf. He said that if you're trying to cause fear in other people, to stop it. And sometimes with our conversations, without even knowing, we can kind of cause fear. And so I just think, you know, as we go about our lives, you know, people are already stressed out enough. So why cause more fear? You know, um, I just loved Lorna's thoughts, like just that. You know, life is good. Life is life is really great with the gospel. And if we're doing what's right, we should have no need to fear. We don't have to be so worried about our kids in a way that that paralyzes us with fear and obviously we all know that satan is the you know he's the complete author of fear and um he wants us to feel afraid he wants us to feel paralyzed and yet you know our our heavenly father says that perfect love casteth out all fear oh my final thoughts would be this one verse um president anderson was talking about um prophets have the same message and that the scripture here um, the end of it. Therefore, for this cause, that men might be saved, hath repentance been declared. The whole reason why we have repentance is so we can be saved. And there again, we hope we'll be saved if we repent and do all we can. Um, but that's what our prophets talk about. That's what Nephi, that's all Nephi wanted to talk about was, let's repent, let's come back to the Lord and quit this cycle of up and down. Um but that's the whole reason for repentance. That's why all the prophets talk about it. So we can be saved. And that one verse, and I would that all men might be saved. We know the Lord wants us saved. We know he wants us back. So if we hear the word repentance all the time, it's because he wants us. He wants us home. John's mother used to always say, no empty chairs in heaven. She had one big picture of all of her children and grandchildren, and she put it up on her wall in her living room. And every family home evening, she would say, no empty chairs in heaven. She wanted every one of her grandkids and children to be in heaven, in the celestial kingdom. Um, And that's what the Lord wants, according to Nephi. Uh, So when you were reading that, it kind of struck me that in there it says, but it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi and many others, and many, sorry, and many of their brethren who knew concerning the true points of doctrine and having many revelations daily. Therefore, they did preach unto the people insomuch that they did put an end to the strife in the same year. So it's not just when you, when you were reading that, and I thought of this earlier, it was like it wasn't just Nephi and Lehi, it was everybody that believed. And how in the last few months, somebody told me. Uh, the acronym for their uh, for fear, uh, they said false evidence appearing real. And I started thinking about it. And you know, if we get caught up into the news of every night and all the things that are going back and forth, it'd be easy to to get caught up in fear and and uh, you know what's going to happen, what ifs. I remember reading a book years ago that this author, he said 99% of things that we as humans worry about never happen. Uh, but it, it made me think that in my life, don't live in fear. Like if it's not going to happen, like, just, like if it's something that's out of my control, I don't worry about it. 
the things that are in my control, those are the things that I focus on and and if I'm going to worry, that's what it's going to be worried about, not about things that are totally out of my control. But that being said, it's important that we move forward and that we support our living prophet and apostles in sharing the message of the gospel, the restored gospel, and how important it is that in this day and age where people are being humbled because of different circumstances, how much maybe more in tune that they will be because of where they are in that cycle of humility and and maybe more apt to be open to listening and wanting to learn more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In these these chapters, it, it spoke about tens of thousands of people that were converted because of the example of all those that, that went forth, and especially Nephi went and taught. All right, I want to draw um, a correlation. Earlier, President Anderson quoted President Nelson about a promise or a sign given regarding come follow me. And then right after that, Sister Michelle talked about Come Follow Me and how it has blessed her family. It made me think of, back to our reading, uh, the five who heard the prophet speak. They went out to see if what he said was true or not, and then they were able to testify and convert many. I think that same thing happened here at this table. We heard the prophet's voice or a quote from the prophet given a sign, and we heard a testimony of what the prophet talked about. I think it's up to us, each one of us, good members of the church who listen to podcasts from the state presidency, <laughs> um, follow the prophet, do what he says, gain a testimony of it, then we can go out and testify, well, number one, to our family, to our kids, and hopefully have a great influence on them and then step outside our walls of our home and testify of good things to to our neighbors. Um, I just thought that was interesting. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. I, I will just end with, um, with one of the um, thus we see statements. We, we focused on a lot of these maybe, maybe somewhat negative. You know, there's the faults and unsteadiness and... You know, we, we get lazy, but I want, I want to focus on this in, in verse one, the second, thus we see. And I, and I want to, I want to emphasize this because this is a truth that I believe. And this is a truth that I have come to know for myself. We can see that the Lord in his great infinite goodness doth bless and prosper those who put their trust in him. The word prosper does not mean what we think it means. Um, Prosperity is not rich. Prosperity doesn't mean we're going to have the big home and the mansion and all the all the stuff. Prospering, especially in terms of our journey, means that we will progress towards a journey, towards towards that destination. He will prosper us. Um, I like the the song. Let us all press on. He will prosper us in the cause of truth. We will be successful in our efforts. Um, and the word trust is, is one that, uh, that I've been thinking a lot about. 
faith is sometimes a hard concept to understand, but if we can substitute that instead of faith in Jesus Christ and we change that to trust in Jesus Christ, it makes faith become a little bit easier to understand. And as we trust him, he's going to prosper us in our efforts um, and we'll be blessed. And, and, and I've seen that in my own life and I testify of that. Um, we are grateful that uh, if you've made it to the end of this podcast, <laughs> that hopefully this has inspired you to do something. Um, this is not uh, this time. This is not time well well used if we haven't been motivated to make some changes. And hopefully you've been following along and, and studying. Um, but we invite you to to act on impressions that you've received. Write them down somewhere. Share them with somebody that that you're with right now. If you've had a chance to listen to this, share the things that you felt impressed to do. And, uh, and I know that you'll be blessed as you act on those impressions. <laughs>